For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is On The Mark. Thank you for checking out the podcast. We are talking baseball on this episode with Paul Sullivan, who has covered the Chicago Cubs and the Chicago White Sox for a long, long time. Sully, a Hall of Fame writer with a Hall of Fame vote. We will get into who he thinks should be in the Hall of Fame. What does he think about the PED users? That's all coming up. But let's start with Sully. And where he started in his career. How long have you been doing this work, Paul Sullivan? Uh, wow. Uh, off and on since 87, and then uh, full-time since 94. Okay, now no one's listening to this, so don't be afraid. But you grew up more of a Sox or a Coven? I think Sox, correct? I grew up in a Sox household, and I did only go to Comiskey Park for the first uh, 10 years of my life. And then uh, one day in 1969 I happened to come here with a buddy of mine since my dad would not take me to games and uh, at least games up here and then uh, I saw Wrigley Field and uh, that was it for me <laughs> so you did you become a fan of both or did you yeah, try- yeah, okay. yeah I, I like both teams uh, but as you know as a kid the Cubs were good in the late 60s early 70s and the Sox uh, until 72 and they got Dick Allen it was kind of, you know, hit and miss down there. But uh, I love Dick Allen's, one of my favorite players, and Billy Williams. So, you know, I, I I went to both parks. I love both places. One of the reasons that I wanted to talk to you, I, and I feel I relate, is that you seem to be wanting to hold on to the old tradition, like Wrigley's going through a whole transformation, getting more and more corporate. And you've been writing about this. It, it's it kind of like, it's like a chip away at the childhood or something. Well, it is ironic that they're more corporate now that they're owned by a family than they were when they were owned by a corporation. But uh, I do feel that. And I'm not against all the changes. I think a lot of the stuff they've done is very good and uh, adds to the, um, you know, probably the longevity of Wrigley Field, things that they had to do. Uh, I just don't really think it was necessary to move the bullpens underneath the bleachers. Uh, That was, to me... One of the cool things of Wrigley is watching the pitchers warm up, and I, I still miss that. Um, the plaza outside is fine. Uh, you know, I don't have any problem with them making money off that or anything. Uh, the video board, I have, I do like to watch the videos. I don't like all the 
uh, jingles with Clark and whatever. But uh, I think that's been is it probably is blended in as well as it could be. So uh, the noise, the, I do think the noise is too loud here. Uh, but that's a lot of people say that you're just old and cranky, and so I'll I'll chalk that up to that. Well, and we're getting a little bit of the music right now, so I hope that you are enjoying this as we as we move through our interview. B- biggest change in the game that you've seen over the years that, uh, like, oh, I mean, obviously, like, with Wrigley, it probably is, like, just going back, like, lights came in and all that stuff, but I'm talking about, like, on the field, and there's this whole push to speed up the game, and then we, of course, had the whole performance-enhancing era as well. I mean, what, what would you say, like, if so, you know, just as far as, like, changes to the game that, that, are, that are noticeable to you? Well, obviously, since the end of the, or since the start of drug testing, uh, it's totally changed the, the scores of the games. I mean, they're back in the, when I was covering the Cubs within the Sammy era, that was like, you know, 10 to 9 games uh, a lot of the times. And now uh, you still get a few of those, but the pitchers are so dominant now. And I never really thought it would go back to pitching being dominated. I thought it would always be high scoring the rest of our lives. And that just shows how skewed the game was during the steroid era. Uh, and now, I mean, obviously, there's just so many strikeouts. It's, it's, you just get uh, inured to it that you know a guy's going to strike out in a big situation. You just almost expect it now, and no one seems to care that they're striking out you know 150, 200 times a year. It's and they just say, well, it's you know great pitching now, and obviously it is better pitching, but I think it's also worse hitting. <laughs> so okay, people want offense. The game wants to be sped up. Like, my solution to the whole speeding up thing is, well, make the strike zone what the strike zone should be, the letters to the knees. But then you're going to get more while you're just talking about strikeouts. So if Paul Sullivan is trying to get baseball both quicker or more moving, I guess they want better pace, plus, you know, more offense, which you're talking about. You got anything? I'm not trying to make it more quick, you know, to make it move quicker. I, I really... If you really wanted to make the move, the game move quicker, you know, you shorten the commercial times, which they're never going to do. Uh, stop all the mound visits by the catcher. I mean, my gosh, Wilson Contreras is—he uh, could have a flight to LA by now. All the times he's been to the mound, um, and I'm not picking on him. Other catchers do it too, but uh, you know, guys come in from the bullpen and throw like ten pitches. Well, hell, you just threw. 40 pitches in the bullpen, you should be ready. Just come out here and pitch. Uh, just stuff like that. Guys in the batter's box, obviously. Now I'm getting worked up, sorry. You know, twisting the, the, the Nomar thing with the, you know, the batting gloves. My God, I mean, you really have to do that every single pitch? Uh, so there are things they could do to speed up the game. It, it's, I think that's just all a ruse by baseball. Uh, just It's going to be a complaint that goes on forever. Baseball's fine. Just do the stupid little things like that, and you'll you'll fix it quickly. Yeah, no, I, with the batting gloves and whatnot. My thing: once your at bat starts, you're in the box, in man. The box. Right. Maybe if you hit a foul ball, you can step sure. out. Or, but if you make contact somehow. But yeah, really, stay in the box. And uh, pitchers, throw the ball. I mean, come on. What's what's the problem? Get the sign. Throw the ball. Do you have a Hall of Fame vote? I do, yes. What, what's your thoughts on the performance-enhancing guys? Well, I'm kind of a uh, dying breed here, uh, just kind of like I'm a traditionalist with the Wrigley and the baseball, is that uh, I don't 
vote for guys that I am fairly sure did steroids and obviously you don't know anymore because a lot of guys didn't get caught but uh i to me i'm better safe than better i feel if they get in fine but i didn't contribute to them getting in and if it comes out years from now that they admit they did steroids um my thinking is well hey you already got the money for it and you got the fame so you don't really need to get into the hall of fame so maybe i was naive and when Sammy was doing 98, I'm going to date myself here, I was 25 years old. I had no idea. He said he was taking Flintstone vitamins. I believed him. Did you know at the time what was going on? Well, I wouldn't say Flintstones, but we knew he was doing a supplement. Everyone was doing some kind of supplements. I mean, they would do it right in front of us. They would make a creatine shake. and uh, So it, it's just that, you know, what's the difference between the, the supplements and the Steroids. I mean, they're working out all the time, so there was no way to prove it. That's my thing: is you don't, you're not with these guys. You have no idea. You think they're doing it, and obviously, I was pretty sure that something was going on. But you know, people blaming the media say, "Wow, you never wrote about it." Well, you want us to just like come out and just you know point fingers at everyone without any proof? We we couldn't do that. Yeah, and I and I don't mean to just single out Sammy. I mean, I remember standing, and I don't have any proof on Sammy or Mark McGuire, who I st- stood next to at the time, and his shoulders to me were, like, bigger than anything I'd ever seen, and he was hitting bombs way down the street here, which just was not human. Jeff Bagwell uh, was huge, and then uh, he came out of the game, and I saw him the next year. He was at a game in Houston. I'm like, oh, my God, I didn't recognize him. So, you know, obviously there's going to be some thinking that guys run steroids if they were huge and then all of a sudden they're skinny uh which happens a lot uh so it's you know it's a really a conundrum and i understand people that are saying hey they're just tired of it and more and more people are voting for guys even guys are obviously guilty like bonds and clemens uh you know they're getting more votes now and they'll probably eventually get in so i'm just gonna keep my stance and uh you know I'll just go down with the ship, I guess. Uh, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm, I'm on that ship. No, don't put them in. So they are, you have to admit, they are going to all get in. I, I think so, yeah. That's what's, how it's trending. Maybe not Sammy or Palmero or those guys, but... Well, okay, then I have the, Okay, let's talk about that for a second. If you're put, Sammy's numbers are 100% Hall of Fame numbers. If you're putting the other ones, why is Sammy so down the list? Uh, that is baffling to me. The only thing I can think of is that... Uh, you know, he also had the corked bath thing, and he also had the I, I don't speak English when testifying in front of Congress. And I think people just thought maybe that he was just not very trustful in anything. And that, uh, and that also that with Clemens and Bonds, you know, they probably would have made the Hall of Fame if they'd never done anything because they were on their way. Whereas Sammy is kind of a creation that created a Hall of Fame career with the PEDs, allegedly. Right. Good, good, good job getting that in there, Sully. Uh, all right, so here let, let, let let's talk about your experience and just I don't know if people care about this. I do. I think I think fans do. The experience of covering guys nowadays, where you know in the past you'd walk into the clubhouse and you know going back to that same era, Mark Grace, whoever you wanted to pick out, they're having a beer after the game. They're smoking cigarettes, right? And, and you would never see that now. No, no. I don't even know how many guys smoke anymore. Uh, very few, I would say. 
which is good, I think. But, uh, yeah, you used to see him drinking in the clubhouse. Uh, that uh, old 98 Cubs team, I mean, that was like a smoker's lounge in there. We were always afraid of getting secondhand smoke. Uh, you know, Gracie and Beck and uh, I think Blouser. Uh, Matt Karchner. Yeah, Morandini, all those guys. Yeah, it was a party team, and they had a good time. I yeah, I didn't mind back then. I still don't mind. You do whatever you want. Can you do you think your relationship level with the players is equal nowadays as it was then? I mean, you were, I guess, more beat guy then, and you're more special now. But uh, yeah. you are special, Sully. But I mean, what would you say about that? Special, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, it's different not being the beat guy because you're not around him. If you're the beat guy, you're around him every single day. And now I'm a columnist. I'm just mostly around him home games and a few road trips. So there's still some players I have a good relationship with, but certainly not the whole team and but on the flip side i don't argue with players like i used to i used to really have some drag out arguments with players that i'd have to criticize including sammy frank thomas uh mark Pryor, uh milton bradley i mean i could go on and on and that was part of a good part of the job because it really keeps you on your toes and you makes you realize that uh you know they are reading you and they don't like yeah, man, I'm trying to. I'm not writing for them. I'm writing for the people, my readers. And you have, in a place like Chicago, you have to be pretty honest because, uh, you know, this is not a sugarcoat kind of town. Can you share any one of the player disagreements? Are you are you free to do that? Do we have to have the tell-all book? I uh, just, I guess, the Frank one would be because we la- Frank and I get along great, especially after he retired. Frank always said, uh, I think he told Kerry Wood this that uh, Sully's a lot better guy once you're retired <laughs> than when he's writing about you. But uh, he, you know, I, he was always getting in some kind of trouble with uh, reporting late or upset about his salary or something. And at one point during the season, he he confided in me that he was upset with the way he was being treated. He wanted to be traded and i said oh well where, where would you like to be traded to and he goes hey, anywhere but alaska i said oh okay that's a good good quote and this was a day game so uh i went up and wrote it and obviously put it on the internet or whatever and this is before twitter and all that social media but it still it was out and then after the game he decided that he didn't uh he didn't want that quote in there as i go like, oh, hey too late it's already up well, take it down. I said, no, you said it, and, you know, I'm, I left it up. And so it wasn't until I think the next day he re- really hit him. It was in the paper and big headline, you know, Frank, trade me, says Frank Thomas. And he was like, uh, that's strike two, Sully, that's strike two. And I'm like, strike two? What happened to strike one? Uh, you know what strike one was? And one more strike? And I'm like, uh, come on, Frank, you know, you... You know you said it. I know I said it, but I, I asked you not to put it in, and which he did. So I don't know. That was kind of a – we got over it. But I guess that was kind of tame in some of the Milton Bradley stuff. But, uh, you know, as a beat writer, you, you, you go through stuff like that. And hopefully the, right, the players understand that it's not your job to kiss their butts. Well, that's the balancing act, right? Because you want them to, quote-unquote, like you, so they'll talk to you. Yes. But then you got to do your job. 
Yeah, and it's a lot different. You know, there's some people here, and I don't, don't want to get into it, but they're just radio guys, and they, you know, every question is how how great are you? Hey, how great are you today? And you know, you know, they need to get them on the radio for shows and stuff, and that's not my thing. And I'm writing what the fans want to read about you, and hopefully, uh, we have the kind of relationship where you understand that. Most players, I would say, in my career, have. Uh, the ones that usually don't are the people like in the front offices don't usually have the same kind of understanding and I've also gotten into it with you know them and uh, probably more so than the players now that I think of it but uh, you know it's you get on people's nerves if you write the truth and hopefully I've, I write the truth what would you say if uh, random fan comes up whatever not Somebody that you would talk to, like me right now, Sully. What do you think of Theo Epstein and, and how he goes about his business and how he handles his talks to you and media and everything he's done here? Uh, he's great. I think Theo's very good. He's accommodating. Uh, you know, I think when he started out here, you'd have to ask him, but I think he was very wary of the media. He was misinformed about a lot of us, including me, and he really he was... Uh, kind of uh, took a different approach and it wasn't until he really got to know us and and especially me that I think he kind of warmed up and because you know those were some pretty bad teams <laughs> for a couple years and it was tough for him to uh, relate the plan when the you know obviously what you what you're seeing on the field is just garbage uh, just but you know I, I think I understood what he was saying and he articulated it well and um, so, yeah, I think he's he's very good. Uh, it's different now, though. I mean, I don't really call Theo up. Uh, back in the day, I would Ron Schuler, Jim Hendry, Larry Himes. Uh, you always call up the GM. You'd spend half your winter on the phone with the GMs. And it's different now. You know, it's usually you text them or email them or whatever. So I don't have as much communication with Theo as I did with the old GMs. I remember you being on the field with Jim Hendry all the time, having lengthy discussions that I always wanted to know what was going on. What are you talking to Jim about, Sully? Yeah, and uh, he fortunately, he was one of the guys that understood uh, my job. Uh, we did have some drag-out fights, and he'd be the first one to, to tell you that. And I'm sure there were some that I was wrong and some that he was wrong. Um, but, uh, you know, I think nowadays they're... With Twitter and Facebook and everything, it's, everything's out there. I mean, everything is out there, so they're a lot more cautious. I think managers especially are a lot more boring because they're, they're very cautious of what they say, and no one wants to be construed as saying anything negative about a player ever. I mean, God forbid they you know get upset that, oh, the manager said I wasn't coming through in the clutch. But... Uh, Joe, at least, is pretty refreshing. Uh, he's not going to rip players, but he's at least pretty open. Uh, but I see more and more managers just giving the same old stuff, and it's. Uh, I think it hurts the game. So, last two here. If you could play, I don't know, progressive God here, you can have Twitter, Facebook, and all of it, or not have it. Your choice? For me or for them? Oh, for uh, well, just you as doing the job and everything. Oh, oh I love it. I, I think it's great. Uh, you can. Well, I don't do it as much now that I'm a columnist. But when I was a beat writer, you could really get some, you know, some comments out there that you probably couldn't get the paper. 
and uh, that probably got me in a lot more trouble than it was worth. But you know, it was it was fun. I, I'm kind of a smart ass, so I like whipping off a one-liner every once in a while. Uh, and linking your stories. I think it's good marketing for the newspaper and for the writers themselves. Because we're, you know, I hate to say it, but we're kind of brands now. If you've, if you've been doing it long enough, me, I'm not just me, but like a Bruce Miles is a brand. And, um, you know, Kaplan definitely is, Dave Kaplan, definitely a brand. Uh, some of us work on it more than others. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's probably good overall I just think it makes the players and the general managers more boring and harder to uh, get them to really say the truth and and last one are the Cubs more or less interesting now that they won it because that story was exhausting but it was a story that had a lot of legs yeah it is less interesting uh, I I've been grappling with this at spring training. Uh, to be honest with you, that uh, you know, if you've been writing the same Cubs story for like 30 years, and now it's it's you're dealing with well, the Cubs are champions, and, and although I have to say this whole ring thing and uh, the memorabilia thing, it's kind of added to the interest because now you're seeing the Cubs dealing with and having some missteps over their success, not the players, well, even the players, you know, struggling in the first couple weeks with 500 record. But uh, it, it's not as no. They they've lost something now that they've won it, and it's really it's more of a challenge to the writers to you know keep our interest up when uh, you know you've been waiting for something to happen for thirty years. It happens, you know. What's next, Sully? Oh, I think it's. Uh, I still can't believe it from my yeah. fancy that they won it. Yes. But I also. But but there was. Uh, like when they were about to win it in 03 and I remember you know I was a vendor back then and a media guy kept the vending on the download so people didn't know I remember leaving the right field commissary walking all the way to left field right before Bartman happened and it just felt weird to me that these guys are about to do this but last year I just like felt like okay it's actually time I I do think it's a little bit less interesting Chapman gave up the home run you felt that Oh, no, I thought I was going to die. Yeah, of course, I, I, yeah. I, I really thought like I couldn't. I wasn't going to be able to handle it if they lost. And imagine if they had lost that game, how different it would be right now. I mean, they would be like, oh, they, they would still be talking about the GOAT and the Bartman and blah, blah, blah. And it, I, it honestly, it would affect my mood right now. Yes, thank God. We don't have to. I'm, I'm happy the Cubs won, but I do admit it, it is less interesting to me. But well, still interesting. But still interesting. That's it's okay it's that less interesting. it's okay that it's less interesting. I when I hey just just so you know this is my the first uh, and I think I told you this before but this is the first non-athlete that I've interviewed for the podcast and you know when I started in the business you were out here so that's it's it's like almost like a, it's like a it's just a treat for me to be sitting with you today. Well, it's a treat to do it. I'm glad I did it and I'm I hope you get more writers on cuz uh you know there's a lot of interesting writers in Chicago. Uh I do have to say that of all the media cores, this is the most interesting because there's a lot of characters and we like to keep up the tradition of uh, Chicago characters, the Jerome Holtzman, Bob Verdi, all those guys from the past, Ring Lardner. I mean, we have a great tradition of uh, pretty uh, nonconformist sports writing and uh, hopefully we uphold that tradition. You're, you're, you're absolutely doing that. <laughs> you are, so. <laughs> I know I am. <laughs> Thanks for taking time. Thanks, Carp. The great Paul Sullivan taking time before a Cubs game at Wrigley Field. Great to talk with Sully, and great to talk some baseball as well. Hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for checking out On 
The Mark. I'm Mark Carmen. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Get everything for your next project today at Menards and save big money. Keep your walls and trim protected while you paint with Scotch Blue Painter's Tape. It's designed for use on multiple surfaces and can be removed easily without leaving residue behind. Save big on Scotch Blue Painter's Tape from Menards. Also, view our weekly flyer on Menards.com and check out all of our great deals happening this week. Save big. 